You're listening to the Sexual Wellness Sessions with Kate Moyle. Today's episode is brought to you by iPlaySafe app. iPlaySafe is a smart way to manage your sexual health. You can download the free app and order your iPlaySafe box, a home STI testing kit. Your results will be sent directly to the app along with an iPlaySafe badge verifying your sexual health status. It's then up to you when, with whom and whether you share it with other people on the app. So today we are going to be talking about sex on screen and there is no better person for me to do this with than Eater O'Brien who is the UK's leading intimacy coordinator, founder of Intimacy On Set and has worked on some of my favourite shows, Gangs of London, It's a Sin, Sex Education, Normal People and I May Destroy You and really I talk about these kind of shows a lot because of the representation of sex or the difference that we see in the sexual experiences and Eater you're largely responsible for that. (laughs) Wow, um, Kate. Well, first of all, thank you very much for asking me to come and share this conversation with you. And um, and wow, thank you very much for that lovely introduction. I'm thrilled to have this conversation because for me, you know, I suppose one of the phrases I hear in therapy a lot is, well, that's how they do it in the movies or that's how it is in the movies. And I suppose that's exactly the gap that you're trying to close. So I suppose a large part of your work is about representing the sexual experiences that people are having in real life on screen more? I mean, have have I got that right? Well, actually, Kate, that's what's been so interesting, particularly during last year when the productions, you know, that really gave us the scripts that allowed us to explore the intimate content in a more um, honest and natural way then came out into the, um, you know, on our televisions and, and films and then and had those the impact on the audience. And um, actually, for me, what's been really interesting is my focus was, you know, in bringing, you know, a professional process to the industry, be it in theatre, TV or film, was in creating a a good um, best practice way of dealing with intimate content. You know, the acknowledgement that this is a body dance, just like a dance, you know, a, a tango or just like a fight. And... Um, and in the void of having that sense that actually it is a body dance that therefore needs a practitioner to choreograph it really clearly, who has choreographic skills, anatomy skills. Um, also, um, the void had meant that there was no risk assessment. There was no sense, just as you do with a fight, that of course you know if someone's going to pretend to punch someone across the face, that there's a risk of that actually happening and you've got yeah. an actor who's incredibly injured. Um and of course, actors have spoken historically about how awkward, anything from being awkward, to harassing to absolutely abusive, it has been in the past when there hasn't been a, a professional structure, when things have just been sprung upon somebody on the day on set, things weren't expected, or in the flow of actually trying to do the best with doing a scene that they were touched in ways that really wasn't suitable for them. Um, so, so, so part of the process is is then bringing in consent across all those qualities of what's needed for intimate scene, which is consent around what you're happy to do nudity-wise, similar to sexual content-wise, and then touch. Um, And then 
the very first thing is open communication and transparency. So my intention, and there's a person with um, 38 years of professional experience um, in the industry as a musical theatre dancer, actor, movement teacher, movement director, and then bringing all those skills to, to create the intimacy guidelines and the role of the intimacy coordinator. My focus was on just bringing a professional practice, working with the intimate content, um, with the actor-director process, just like you do for any scene. Um, and all of that means that the actors are personally taken care of so they can professionally really serve the director's vision, serve the character storytelling, and bring all of their skills as an actor to the intimate content. So that's that's the bottom line of, of what I was, the focus was. Mm, so it's two-way, I suppose, because you're protecting the actors and I mean, everything you're saying there, the kind of communication, the consent, the, that all feels to me like the fundamentals of our in real life sexual experiences or kind of um, more everyday sexual experiences. So it, feel, it makes sense that those kind of pillars, I suppose, would be carried across. But in protecting the actors and checking in with them and them being comfortable, that also translates to on screen but it's it's a two-way relationship it's making sure that the people in it are comfortable and then obviously the experience of people watching it is is changed as a result yes absolutely um so so this is it um through through sort of lifting the lid off of this you know before there's that sense of it was the unspoken thing the elephant in the room that nobody mentioned that everybody knew it was coming looming and um and nobody mentioned it until the day on set and it's like oh now just go for it um and in that place you know sort of that that's where I I feel you know as an audience very often when we watched intimate content in the past and sat there squirming is because actually we could feel the actors uncomfortableness that they were also really not open and free and able to serve the storytelling and of course with the open communication that the intimacy coordination brings in it lifts a little bit it instead of it being a thing it becomes a no thing it becomes just part of our beautiful arc of our storytelling um, a very important part of our human existence that should be in our storytelling and allowed us to deal with it in an open and adult and professional way. And um, and the result has been, Kate, then that people have gone, oh my goodness, this is, this is feels something different. You know, there's, you know, because again, that open communication has meant that the arc of the emotional storyline really stays. And again, that's my focus always. I know that what's going to keep an actor safe is knowing um, what that scene is doing for the arc of the storytelling. And that's always the focus. Why is that scene there? How is it pushing the storytelling forward? What's it What's it telling us about each character and each character in relationship? Um, and with that focus, then we can then bring into the detail of and then how are we going to physically portray that? So that was my focus. And what's been incredible during this last year, mad year of lockdown, that the, 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 the reflections back of people, you know, like I've had people from secondary schools telling me that they're using um, the top of episode two now um, as a positive depiction of sexual awakening, um, you know, how you can positively ask for protection um, without it losing the sex, sexual juiciness, um, how you can, uh, you know, ask for um, continuous consent, you know, you know, an offering that consent can be withdrawn at any moment and it's still staying open and sexy. That has been so amazing. I've had people from the queer male black community from 
regarding the scenes in I May Destroy You, again saying, I feel seen and heard. Um, thank you for, you know, for helping to create scenes that, again, lift the lid and bring some honesty and truth to our experience as queer black men. So, so, um, so yes, and it's like, wow, this is, I, I've been really taken aback and, um, you know, yeah, so humbled and, and, and delighted and astounded by realising the real-life positive effects that, that the professional way of depicting these scenes has had in, out in the world. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, my inbox when normal people came out, I mean, I don't think I had probably a day <laughs> for two weeks when I didn't have a journalist emailing me being like, can we talk about normal people? Really? Um, yeah, it was absolutely mad. Um, wow. Everyone was so, I think, drawn in by it. And, you know, a word that you mentioned was intimacy. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much intimacy, I suppose, in a lot of the, the scenes that you've been working on. And, you know, across the board, you know, we can't argue with the success of the shows that you've been working on. I mean, it's been absolutely enormous. Um, but I suppose it's, how these things are communicated and I think you just said again being seen <laughs> that for me when I talk to people about how they learnt about sex what they think about sex how they think sex should look sex on screen and tv shows you know Netflix is is a big part of all of our lives now yes. um but apart from pornography which is you know a whole different kind of world of its own Sex on screen is where we actually get a lot of our sexual information from and where people get a lot of their ideas from about how sex and relationships should look, should should appear. Um, Should is a banned word in my therapy practice, but it always brings up interesting conversations. But that idea of what we can see being more relatable or more normalised is massive for me because people are like, oh, that looks more like the sex that I have so if someone else is doing that because we don't have a visual into other people's sex lives or if that's how it appears there I must be okay there's something reassuring I think in it that's absolutely right um you know sort of like um our art should reflect um our human experience and interrogate that and shine a light on whatever the writer wants to explore um and um you know and and there is absolutely a place for glamour and entertainment and heightenedness and fantasy so important i mean that you know that that's that side of escapism for our entertainment be it theater tv film or you know our comedians and whatever but but there the other side of it is absolutely to you know for 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 the honesty and the truth of who we are to be reflected back to ourselves and um and that's where um then it's so important isn't it that what we're constantly presented with isn't something that's unrealistic and um and and unattainable and then therefore contributes to making us all feel that we're lesser than what we actually are um and um and you know i think it you know just 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 seeing the impact and understanding of so for me also just understanding the impact and therefore the responsibility that we as intimacy coordinators can have and then how we can continue to actually and I'm doing that with my intimacy coordinator at the moment and I'm working 
you know, with a fantastic um, um, therapist who's educating us further on, you know, on the anatomy of arousal for 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 men, women, people from the trans community, um, um, the queer community, um, to to um, to actually continue to edu- educate ourselves with more. Um, honesty and more anatomical detail um, in order that, that we can then bring that back and feed that back into how we help to to um to create co-create you know the um the intimate scenes so we can continue that 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 journey of lifting the lid off the unrealistic and un you know again and, and unattainable sexual or you know sexual expression Mm. And I love what you said there is, you know, there is a place, obviously, for the perfect sex, there is a place for the glamorised, because I guess the flip side of this conversation is some people might say, yes, but I want to escape into someone else's amazing sex life, I want to escape from the normality, I want the fantasy, I want to see something that is different to what I'm having, I mean, you know, arguably, that is fantasy. (laughs) Um, So I suppose it's just about a creating a, a greater variety or a greater range or visibility of the diversity of sexual experiences, I suppose. That's right. And and we have that. We have that in spades, don't we? The the glamorized, the the fantasized, the 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 perfection, um, you know, perfect bodies, per- perfect sexual encounters where things don't go wrong, we don't fart and and um we don't have smelly breath and all that kind of stuff. Um but yes, and 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 each 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 genre has to is 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 to be honoured, you know, um, you know, within what what that you know, if it's a fantasy thing, great, let's go there, let's embrace that and enjoy all all of the you know wonderful creation of that. Um, but 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 now we also through you know through professional practice and through the clear you know conversations we have the opportunity now to also go the other way and and to help to create more realistic intimate content um you know that, that, that reflects us and also then means that we can get into the the beautiful and joyous nitty-gritty of all of our diversity there's no two people who you know who who have their sexual play the same just as you know we no two people have the same fingerprint and um and um and we can like what I'd like to do is to help to continue you know really honoring each and every character each and every storytelling so that so that we can go okay what is this moment in in with these characters how is that different and um yeah and I think that that can be um really exciting mm. and also that those characters can have different types of sexual experiences in the same relationship and I think that's something that we've seen that sex can change across a relationship or across characters or across you know in different contexts and that I suppose for me you know something that we feel it feels like we're constantly kind of trying to do with sex is find the answer or find (laughs) a magic formula or find a one-size-fits-all approach that we can then apply and it, it just it's just not possible because it's sex is co-created, I suppose, by the people involved or, you know, if it's just one person on their own, the sex they're having with themselves in that moment with where they're at right then (laughs) that day. um, And it's so context dependent. So I think that it's also about thinking, okay, so it's, this is where we're at now, you know, sex changes, but again, a lot of the challenges I see um, people dealing with in therapy or at least talking about in therapy is 
there is a fear or a worry or something changed and that must to them be a bad thing and actually we could we once we normalize that and we say okay but why why is the change such a bad thing you know why is things being different such a bad thing once we kind of break away from that actually it turns out that often it's just the idea that it means that it's a bad thing that is more of a prison than actually what's happening this is it you know we um yeah we we are changing all the time you know and um you know you know and on our relationship to our bodies and therefore how those bodies express us our, 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 our beautiful sexual relationships um, or challenging sexual relationships sh- rightly shifts and changes all the time so for example you know, you're in a relationship, you become pregnant. Amazing. But then whew, all those gamuts that change in our bodies, all the hormones, you know, the different delicacies of our touch around our breasts and um, growing belly and and all of that. And then after pregnancy, you know, giving birth and suddenly the body has such an incredible function. You know, if you're lucky enough to be able to breastfeed, then the, 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 the function of your breasts and your nipples is... Um, you know, it then is is tied up with that, and then you know, and um, and 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 the body that you know, then your relationship with your body as your belly goes down, and then that relationship with the shape of your body, um, you know, and all of that has an impact, you know, on on then how then you also have your body as your sexual being with your partner, and then of course you know at the moment I'm a menopausal woman, so again life shifts and changes again. My you know the 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 comfort of my monthly cycle is now you know I don't have that anymore. So 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 those so that that cycle's gone. How do I you know and then my relationship with my body as it no longer being a body being able to procreate so that shifts and changes and and it has to, you know and I was musing on that and again also for our young people so I was musing on the fact that you know with everything else if you want to to learn how to dance a tango you know you're going to go to tango lessons and you're going to go to you know and have the fun of of learning how to do it if you want to learn how to paint you can get online and you can learn how to paint or you go to, to life drawing classes um, and why shouldn't it be the same with our sexual lives? We, you know, we have this thing of we should know, we should know what to do and how to do it, unless you turn to pornography to to learn. And I'm going, well, actually, no, it should be open. It's, a part, it's such an important part of our human existence. In fact, if you think it's the two main important things, survival, food, and then procreation. Um, and then what goes in with that, then that we are beings that, um, that also our sexual um you know, lives isn't just about procreation, but also about um, the pleasure with, within our loving. And that's so important. And yet this thing, again, that it's hidden and um, or, or that we shouldn't, you know, just that place of how do you go and seek to learn, to change, to shift, to open out. Um, so, for example, I'll give you an example in a different part of our lives. So, um, so you know, the, the thing of the tyranny, especially when the kids were young. OK, what are we going to have for dinner today? And you, yeah, and you have your your repertoire. Like I would have salmon pasta, and then olive and tomato pasta, and um, um, you know, fish and chips one night. And we'd have our routine in the week of the kind of things that we'd eat. And then we finally discovered this um, the different com- um, companies um, that 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 provide the meals. It's in there. You can look and go, oh, there's these meals, and they'll they'll give you the box that's got all the ingredients and all the stuff. And you go, oh my goodness, it's opened out my repertoire um i'm having different things and we're trying different things and there's a now variety and we're going oh goodness that that way of cooking all, 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 also is really lovely or um 
goodness, I've never had that haddock in that way before. So, so that's an analogy of sort of how we get stuck, don't we, in, in what our groove is and what we know. And actually, how do we open out? And then as we shift and change, and as our relationship shifts and change, how can we continue also shifting and changing and opening? Because it's delicate, isn't it, with our partners? How do we open up those conversations to say, how do we re-find each other you know, in each phase of our relationships with each other and therefore in each phase of our sexual lives as those relationships shift and change with each other that still allow us to be sexy, you know, sensual and all the rest of it as as our bodies shift and change. Mm, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, I kind of think we're almost constantly in a shift and change, you know, state of flux when it comes to sex but I just think it's for me it's never really made sense that it's something that we don't talk about you kind mm. of hear about it at the key points but what about the rest of the time but kind of a slight corner turn but on the topic of topic of change would you say that movements like me too and time's up things like that have really changed your role really changed the dynamics of your way of working because I suppose for me there was a a huge speaking out I suppose and it felt like there was a shift when these things were happening and these conversations were being had and I guess I was wondering how that plays out in your side of things because so much of it is about people kind of saying, enough, we need to do this differently. So for me, in the narrative of, of the journey of, of, you know, first of all, ending up creating the intimacy onset guidelines and then putting that work into practice and therefore the role of the intimacy coordinator sort of actually has been inextricably linked with the timing of, you know, those brave actresses stepping forward um, regarding the Weinstein allegations and then the subsequent Me Too and Time's Up movement. So I was... Um, um, look, I was developing the work through, I was doing a device piece of work um, and I wanted to investigate the flip side of the perpetrator and the victim. And in that intention, I was looking at how do I keep my actors safe? So that was the beginning of me um, sort of in a way putting in place, consciously putting in place best practice. And this was back in 2014. Um, and then I got asked to start teaching what I was developing. And from doing that, then that ended up over from 2015, I started teaching the work and of course you get things wrong you don't quite know how you're doing it and gradually sort of over the subsequent years and the feedback from the students and from from um the the head of movement um sort of discussing how it works sort of developing the work and all of this I actually started sharing the work in the industry early 2017 and like I shared it with the personal managers association they're going absolutely brilliant we need this fantastic thank you but the narrative then was you know um oh you're an actor you should be able to be naked you should be able to do any sexual content you know that's what's expected of you and um and then the idea of if an actor ever said no in any way shape or form that it would be considered really brave or that they'd be considered uh, be brave because the actors would be considered either as a pain in the ass it's annoying it's it's um they're considered um a troublemaker or a diva and they absolutely would have that fear of they're dispendable and um and actually if they considered a troublemaker then they'll lose their job or certainly won't be invited mm. back again. So kind of a shame of speaking out or being punished for speaking out. That's right, that's right. Um 
you know, and I, and I, I worked on a, one of the jobs that I was working on um, in 2019, and I again was um, sort of speaking about the, the, the process of the work, and and um, somebody for the from the crew said, "Oh, I liked it in the old days when the actors were talking meat." Ooh. Yes, exactly, exactly, and it's like, oh, you know, and in that environment, how compromising it was for an actor you know when there wasn't any structure to get up and take their clothes off and have that sexual you know sexual expression without that kind of respect of actually this is tis a very regardless of what we're doing intimacy coordination wise it is a vulnerable thing to take your clothes off in front of you know people who are going to be filming you or go into a sexual expression um you know while being filmed or simulate a sexual expression i should say um so um so so what so with the you know with the allegations the Weinstein allegations and then what most importantly the response to it because uh, you know as we were speaking about earlier many many people had always spoken about um you know how compromising the intimate content was you know how it's always awkward or or whatever um but that seemed to be just tolerated and the difference was that suddenly the the tipping point that um with those Weinstein allegations, the industry suddenly said, yes, we know, we know that we've turned a blind eye, we've known about this predatory behaviour and we've tolerated it and we as an industry cannot tolerate this any longer. Things have to change and we have to do better. And in that environment with the subsequent Me Too and Time's Up movement, then there was the environment of right now we have to create codes of conduct where we're setting out how we're going to work with fundamental respect for all. And that statement that comes, you know, that the Time's Up movement absolutely is championing. Everybody should be able to expect to be in their workplace without fear of harassment and abuse. Mm. Yeah. And in that environment and in, with that intention and the industry, that, that shift in the industry, and I've been in productions now where at the beginning of the production meeting, the, the main producer will read out those codes of conduct. And of course, what's most important is great, the codes of conduct are there. But then if something still happens that is compromising or harassing or abusive, that then there is a clear pathway. So that's then the most important thing is then at the end of those codes of conduct, they read out. And this is the designated person to go to should mm. anything happen. And most importantly, your complaint doesn't. And again, you know, with the intimacy coordination, we do, um, you know, health and safety awareness. And one of those is, is you know, anti-bullying and harassment and, and sexual harassment training. And of course, you know, somebody might say something that they feel is harmless, but it's how that person receives it. You know, we have, you know, historically, don't we, that's this grey area of, of this idea of catcalling on the street and how sort of the idea of um, or somebody who's, you know, you know, perhaps a male doing that catcalling, going, well, I, you know, this is a beautiful woman and I'm giving her a gift because I'm saying, hello, darling, you look gorgeous today. And that sense of, well, that is something nice that I'm telling her that she looks gorgeous without being aware of actually how invasive that is. Mm. So, so of course, so, so it's so important that it's not that, that everybody, that if someone is receiving something that they feel is um, uncomfortable for them or violating their personal space in any way, shape or form, that's what's got to be listened to. Um, and it's got to be taken seriously and confidentially. And the person bringing that complaint has to be able to do so without fear that they are going to be the ones that are going to be recriminated against because they've raised it. Um, and I myself have been in a situation where I was on the receiving end of, um, you know, sort of 
harassing behavior and and I too you know I you know my partner as well sort of going oh really do you really want to raise this you know and and I certainly have had a situation where I'm going will I be employed and actually that production didn't come back to me to employ me um so 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 it's still going on and we've still got a long way to go but um Mm. but it's really important that um that 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 we keep talking, that we keep making sure that best practice is put in place, that those codes of conduct are are spoken about, that everybody is told, you know, that, that that's the intention of how we're going to work, and that in, most importantly, and if things don't go well, this is the person to go to, and it will be treated with respect, with confidentiality, and your complaint or your concern will be listened to and heard. Hmm. And something I've heard you talk about in previous interviews is assume nothing. Oh yes. Um, and so that idea of kind of checking things out all the time um, and, you know, assumption is for me anyway, something that really plays, can play a big part in sexual experiences, whether in relationships or not. And it was interesting to hear you um, put that in your job description because it made it so explicit and for me you know the assumptions that people have around sex and sexual experiences play such a big part in shaping or giving meaning to our sexual experiences and I imagine that then when that's with kind of actors who are putting themselves on the line for other people's pleasure or entertainment and obviously it's their their job and that they they are getting something from it but there is a sense of that I suppose blur you know when I've spoken to actors like sometimes there can be a sense of that blurring of boundaries and the the keeping those boundaries firm is is really important when it comes to I suppose the more sexual nature and I listened to an interview with I can't remember what her name was but someone from who was one of the cast of Skins and saying she was talking about it and how people started to treat her differently because of the character she'd played or make assumptions about her as a person based on the character she'd played. And I suppose that's what I also mean is there's a a recognition of the need for like safety and boundarying or boundaries, which comes with creating sexual content or, you know, sexual and intimate on-screen experiences. That That's right. Um, so again, in, in the past, there was this confusion between what an actor was going to bring to these characters and then to this intimate moment and the idea of chemistry and, and then who they were privately. And when there wasn't a professional structure, those two things were completely confluated and confused. Um, you know, I... Yeah, I've had had actors telling me in um the theatre rehearsal that the director said, "Oh, um, we're going to do the intimate scene tomorrow. You two better go out and have dinner together." And it's like, mm. you know, then that that's completely bypassing the fact that um these are actors and you've employed them for their acting skills. You haven't said to them, "Oh, you're um, you know, you're you, uh, you know, we've got the fight tomorrow. You better go out and have a fight tonight." You know, you know that you're going to bring in a practitioner, you're going to teach mm. skills. It's the idea of kind of like get comfortable, isn't it? Or like, it's that warm up. Yeah, and that, that thing of, oh, if, if these two people are going to look like they have chemistry, then they've got to really have chemistry. And it's like, no, they're actors. 
Trust their acting skills. You've employed them because they're the best actor for this role. And trust that and allow them to bring that. And the process of the intimacy coordination absolutely focuses on separating out and taking care of the personal body. Yeah, so making sure that you are personally safe and personally listened to and heard so that you can be artistically vulnerable. You can be artistically bringing all of yourself to this intimate moment. And, and, um, and um, yes. Mm, um, so kind of feeling personally safe in order to be able to express yourself professionally. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, and in the process of agreement and consent. So obviously we've checked out way before the day on set what someone's happy with regarding nudity, similar sexual content wise. But the, the point of touch, well, that's an each and every day thing and not each and every day, but each and every moment. You know, the idea that consent is a process, not a moment. You know, so it's it's this particular day. How are you happy to kiss lip to lip today? Might be actually, no, I have concern about COVID. I don't want to kiss on the lips. I'm happy to kiss you on your cheek and down your neck, but I'm not happy to kiss lip to lip. Um, and, you know, and you're checking out all body parts. Where are you happy to be touched today? Yes, let's get agreement and consent. Where's, and I, um, and most importantly, we're inviting the positive no. And that's a, such a shift in the industry and for the actors to really trust that if they do speak their no, if they do, if they are invited, and I'm inviting them to speak their boundaries, that that will be respected um, as, as a professional. And actually, I'm also saying, actually, your no is a gift. Mm. We want to know your no so that we know that you can stay working really freely, openly, feeling listened to, honoured, empowered, respected, autonomous, and then being able to work creatively with your fellow, with your director, listening to the director's vision, with your fellow actor, creating, being being free, open, bringing the best of yourselves to this moment of intimacy, because you know nothing's going to be compromised. And that's always what I'm looking for. And of course, that can shift and change, you know, you know, perhaps in the arc of a of a day, they have agreed to kiss. I've had this, um, they've agreed to kiss and you've gradually got, um, you know, a five o'clock shadow and your chin's becoming really red. We're going, OK, we've got that kissing scene. We don't need to kiss. You know, you don't want, you know, someone to, to go home feeling sore. Um, so those sorts of things. And, and And then just to pick up on what you were saying about assuming nothing. This is it. It's so important, isn't it? That, um, you know, the statistics are that, and this is just for women, but, it, you know, I'm sure the, the statistics are there for, for men as well, that by the time a woman gets to 18, 60% will have been harassed or abused in some way. Mm. Now, that's a huge statistic, isn't it? Um, and I think I think that's pretty true. I know perhaps it might be even higher. Um but that means that of all the people that you're going to work with, there's quite a, a percentage that will have had something that might be triggering for them. Mm. And so you need to take care about that. But you don't need to bring those stories into the workplace. But you do need to pr- provide the structure that allows for that agreement and consent with no questions asked. As I said, inviting the positive no. Yeah, so we can work freely with everywhere that is in that person's agreement and consent. Um, and without, you know, no caveat needs to be asked, no questions. It's just that's a given. That's your boundary. Mm-hmm. That's respected. And now let's work professionally, openly with everywhere that is within your boundaries. Mm, it's interesting. I feel like listening to you talk, I feel like there's quite a lot of parallels between your job and my job, mm-hmm. which is helping people to kind of know their yeses and know their noes to develop confidence to develop communication skills to understand kind of 
expectations or learn how to feel comfortable and kind of bodily awareness. I, I suppose it, a lot of what you're saying, um, I was thinking, yeah, I've had those conversations in therapy. Yeah, I talk about that. Yeah, and I guess it's it's just interesting um, how I suppose the the components are very similar, and I guess that's because what we're trying to all do is create a sexually, I suppose, safer world or a um, more pleasure focused, more kind of fun focused, more, I suppose, sexual well-being, you know, increasing sexual well-being, increasing sexual wellness, or even creating a sense of that. Um, I'm, I'm interested in how so many people are trying to do that in so many different ways. And it feels like we're all kind of trying to communicate the same points, but just in a diff- through different methods, I suppose. Um, yes, uh, absolutely. Sort of, as, as I said, as the world's been becoming more conscious of itself, and again, as we were speaking about earlier, sort of for me, just charting the waves of, of the movements that helped us to start to gradually go, we, you know, you know universally you know go we cannot tolerate the behavior that we have tolerated in the past as I said you know for me there was first of all the the calling out of 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 the catholic you know the catholic priests you know and the historic abuses that had gone on again it had been known but a blind eye turned and then the um Jimmy Savile allegations and you know that whole wave of of um, people within the 70s for whom you know, that kind of behaviour, you know, the slap and the tickle culture was just absolutely prevalent um, and accepted. And and but that, that's been fantastic. Then that finally has been called out as actually, no, that is not acceptable. Um, and and then that led into then the Weinstein and the Me Too and, and the Time's Up movements. But then also I feel sort of, you know, the calling out of the Black Lives Matter equally as part of that. That's opening out, just you know, we have to just keep becoming conscious that we need to live in re- with respect for everybody, regardless of you know what background they're from, what ethnicity, what culture, what sexual orientation, what sexual expression, so that we we live in a place of of um you know opening out with our humanity, you know, with movement across the world, you know, was it in London that there's going that the um, Caucasian people are going to be in the minority by by um. 2030 or perhaps even already um you know we are you know with our global movement you know and even i suppose you know just thinking right now about our global experience of of um the covid pandemic is is opening us all out that we're you know we're, that across the globe we're having more of a unified experience and it has to go hand in hand with then equally respecting everybody it doesn't matter who you are you just you know give another human being you know the respect Mm, I absolutely agree with you and I think I yeah I think it feels like we're all trying to improve all the time or at mm. least um you know we're, we're kind of making waves too but I guess one thing I wanted to just think about before we close our conversation is also you as an intimacy coordinator have described a lot to me about movement so so much of this is about movement and being a movement coordinator and how the practicalities of the sex we see on screen as well are often not lined up with what anatomically might be Mm. 
correct at home and I know um you used an example for me um before we started this conversation but about things like even legs being bent um and how that can make a kind of penis and vagina intercourse scene look like an anal sex scene Mm -hmm. and how that there is actually a huge practical element of your job which is about being like okay well actually these bodies aren't positioned right um you know these anatomically that doesn't quite work or we need to change the angling of that or focusing on for example clitoral stimulation for female pleasure and things Mm -hmm. like that and I think do you think that that bit is in a way sex education um yes it is and it's lovely yeah to to you know to 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 come to you know to speak about this part of of the role of the intimacy coordinator that um that in that body dance i feel that um that it's really important that we chart what we help to choreograph um a, a journey through um particularly simulated sexual content through you know there's penetration through to that rhythm rising through to orgasm um through to withdrawal um so, so that it all reads anatomically correct and you know so, so my sense is that as an audience if something is anatomically right we will just then accept it as a given and we can stay emotionally engaged in these characters through what that emotion of that scene is is wanting to portray to us um and for me, I've had it myself, sort of like I was watching a, an intimate scene where um, the, these two characters, she was lying on the bed, he was stood in, in a lovely, in a rhythm that was great. And then he picks her up, holds her to his chest, turns her against the wall and they continue that rhythm. Great. And then suddenly he just turns her and continues and you just go, hold on a minute. If that was penetrative sex, then he there was no withdrawal. There was no repenetration. And and then as that rhythm's continuing, it's supposed to be that this character looks at herself in the mirror and it's a profound, it's supposed to be a profound moment, but I was already out of it because I'm going, okay, mm. I'm gone now. That, uh, that like, How does that work? Yes, how does that work? It's actually quite hard. If, you, if you're stood up and you're withdrawn, then how, and you turn someone, how do you refine? how do you re-enter? What's the reality of that? And it doesn't mean that it, it's then it has to take up time or anything, but, you know, make that part of the storytelling so it's anatomically correct so that, yeah, so so like me, I was gone. I'm going. Well, I no longer believe in this because someone's not done done their homework. Mm. You know, if, if you've if you've got someone, you know, if, on all levels as an actor, part of our job is to make sure that if it's if we're portraying someone's life, you know, there's Daniel Day Lewis, you know, apparently, you know, supposedly has spent a year learning to be a cobbler for a particular role, so he gets that detail right. Yeah, so honours all the people who are cobblers and honours that the beauty of that um, artistry. And that's what we should be doing across the board. And that's what I make sure I do and I invite my actors to do with all that sexual content. If it's outside of your realm of experience and you go and research it so that, again, we honour the people from that community so that they can go, I feel seen and heard. Um, and then we can you know, continue making good storytelling. But that goes with the choreography of, of the detail of our sexual expression so that it one that it reads right, but then that we can continue then really focusing on what that detail is in our art. And then as I was, we were sharing about then actually perhaps bringing in more um, realistic detail, for example, you know, sort of um, spontaneous arousal with penetration after like two seconds, actually, 
you know, if that happens, that actually can be be quite painful if someone hasn't been, mm. you know, um, that arousal hasn't been given time to, to lubricate, you know, perhaps, you know, how, how you're going to help um, bring bring that, um, you know, opening up of a woman ready for penetration. So I want to bring more of that in, um, you know, so, and, 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 you know, so, and just more detail like that so that we start lifting the myth. We start inviting more realistic body shapes, um, you know, and... Um, you know, and, and I was talking to a, a fellow therapist and I said, what would you like to see? And she said, I'd like to, to see, you know, the, the reality of sort of perhaps someone gets up in the morning and goes, no, I don't want to snog you straight off in the morning because you've got smelly breath. Go and brush your teeth. <laughs> um, you know, but but all of that. And, I, and I'm going, yes, let's, you know, and, and I, as I said, I'm helping I'm, you know, working with a, a therapist to actually learn more of that anatomical detail so that we then can educate ourselves as intimacy coordinators and continue this journey to bring more reality, um, you know, having to choreograph, you know, more clearly um, so, so, so that, again, we, you know, that we can both, you know, continue honouring the artistry, honouring the storytelling, but also, you know, bringing more reality to the intimate content so that all of us, um, can, can can help to to yeah to to feel honoured, listened to, to be uh, being seen um, in all the reality of of our ageing bodies, our sagging bellies, um, you know, or, or um, you know, or in the beauty of our of our young sexual lives. All of it is to, just to be celebrated. And mm. um, that practicality bit, you know, I'm, I've worked with, for example, a lot of people in their twenties and thirties who have not ever had sexual experiences and um the anxiety yes about that the anxiety about a sexual experience where they fear being caught out or that someone will know that they are inverted commas inexperienced yeah. um or and you know even the things like the questions how how will I get it in or how will yeah. I get in and the simple things like someone guiding in you know if we're talking about a different sex um sexual situation so with a man and a woman the idea of someone like guiding their partner in using their hand mm-hmm. for penetration or intercourse those are the things that we I well I mean I would say have rarely until recently seen but it's also a very difficult thing to explain to someone when you say well look you can you know, use your hand to guide a partner in or use a hand to guide yourself in or ask your partner to, or those conversations, if we have no frame of reference for them, can be very difficult for, I suppose, people to conceptualise and actually what a lot of the series you've been working on have shown and a lot of the work you've done has shown is that those things do actually happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, and like that's where the, the the sex the writing on sex education has just been so fantastic, and Laurie Nunn's bravery in, you know, and, and then working with her, her, um, the her amazing people in the writers' room. First of all, just just opening out the conversation about what subjects can they explore, and then making sure that they get the detail right. And I know that Laurie works very closely to make sure that she brings in experts to, to make sure the detail of each of the different um, topics that that, are, that her characters go through, again, are, are, are correct um, in all their detail, be it physical or emotional and psychological, because, of course, we had the amazing, um, you know, journey of, of Amy Lou 
um, mm. last in the season two, which again has happened to so many people, you know, of that assault on the bus, um, you know, and then the ripple effects of how that completely affected her confidence and how she felt she could be in the world and that, that safety and, that, you know, I, 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 you know, my myself had my daughter in her teenage years calling me, sat on a bus, saying, you know, going, I've got this guy who's looking at me in a really, you know, horrible way. What do I do, Mum? Mm. Um, you know, and that's just the gaze. So through sex education, through exploring those things and people trying things out and getting them wrong, and then through going and questioning, and you know, there we have this lovely Aces character of Otis being the therapist. You know. Um, we need to help continuing letting our young people know that they don't need to know. It mm. is a voyage of discovery. And also, you know, that also then that thing of, you know, the turning to pornography to learn from that. But of course, that's, you know, our adult industry, the adult world of that is 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 part of um of our humanity. And that's absolutely great and right in its place and time. But it's it's, you know, if that's being used as our sole education for sexual uh you know sexual awareness for our young people that gives a really you know sort of warped idea of what that sexual expression should be and you know some of those stories of course have got emotional content but some don't and mm. for me you know it's also teaching our young people both um you know that sex you know and our sexual relationships but also our sexual relationships in combined with our you know emotional you know sometimes you you have, you know, it's a relationship that's ongoing as, as an emotional um, component as well as a sexual. And sometimes you have the sexual encounters, all of them to be embraced as something that's healthy, so long as it's consensual. But also for all of our people, for our young boys and our young women and our trans and, you know, whatever sexual orientation you are, to know that it's okay to not know and it's okay to explore and it's okay to explore together. And as we were saying, you're different with each and every person. You know, you're different. You're you're a different friend with one person than you are with another. Well, that's going to be the same with our sexual expression. And to help our young people to know that it's oh, well, for all of us, it's okay not to know, and to acknowledge that, and then to be in that place of exploring, um, and, and to be able to explore, you know, with agreement and consent, and to know that can you know, consent can be you know can be stopped, can be withdrawn at any moment. But that doesn't mean that you've done something wrong but you know it's just charting that like you you were saying Kate it's just us all going you know it's to listen to yourself and to honor yourself and then bring that into your your sexual lives um but and it can it's hard isn't it it's hard it does take yeah. courage to um and because it's it's making yourself vulnerable isn't it that vulnerability of being open and and acknowledging your concerns, your fears, your anxieties, your body anxieties, your body worries. Um, I might, yes. Um, but 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 that's what I think we can all help to invite um, to know that it's natural, it's normal, to and and actually to open out to be on this journey of discovery, you know. And from your sexual awakening, it doesn't. It's not that it stops there. It actually starts there and continues right throughout our lives. Um, and and just I've just done. Um, the most beautiful, I've supported the most beautiful um, photograph um, of of um, older couples, couples from their sixties and older, and and exploring and inviting them to speak about their 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 intimate lives and their sexual lives as older people. And I tell you, it's the most, it's been the most beautiful, beautiful thing to be part of, to be supporting, and again, so healthy that actually we keep talking, we support our young people in their sexual awakening and their sexual expression, but right the way through to our older age to know that we can continue 
in our sexual and intimate lives and our loving right the way across the arc of our, of our lives. I'm just furiously nodding along with you here. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what a place to finish this conversation. I feel like we we've just you just used the word arc. I feel like we've done an arc of the entire conversation um and covered so much and I love that, you know, that across the lifetime. Yes. Um because I think so much of the time the the kind of narratives that we have about sex are unhealthy not are unhelpful yes. for almost everyone. Um, and so I, I love that we're having a conversation that kind of can fit anyone or can mm-hmm. anyone can relate to. It's not exclusive. Yeah. Um, so please tell everyone where they can find out more about you and more about your work and do um, mention some of the, the series and the films that you've worked on so that people can um, take note next time <laughs> they're watching an amazing sex scene and they say, oh, I know where that is. Um, so yeah, so if you want to to find out more, if you're a production company that wants an intimacy coordinator, please go to the website, which is intimacyonset.com. Um, yes, there's a contacts page, so please get in contact. I had the joy of being part of The Dig. There's only one moment of intimacy, but it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Really, the whole film is well worth a watch, let alone that moment of intimacy. Um, as you say, It's a Sin. Oh, so, so proud oh, of being part of that production. Oh, isn't it? And, and I was a musical theatre dancer in the 80s. So actually, they, um, you know, I very much lived through that the uh, that storyline. Mm. Um, as you said, Normal People, I May Destroy You. Gangs of London, I'm so delighted you mentioned Gangs of London. Um, industry, uh, Brave New World, uh, there are a few, as well as, of course, Gentleman Jack and um, Sex mm. Education. Ah, oh, um, Watchmen. Watchmen is a fantastic series. Um, so thought-provoking, absolutely brilliant. Um, I did the intimacy coordination of all the work in this mad folly of a castle with Jeremy Irons in North Wales um, and the amazing Alicia Rodis did the work in, in America, but that's also really, really worth a watch. That's my uh, Netflix to-do list done. Very good. <laughs> um, uh, all amazing, amazing series. And, um, you know, I I think it was just a really important conversation for us to have about sex on screen because it feels like a place where so many of us get so much of our information without really consciously thinking about it. And so I love that we can make people realise that there is a whole process going on that um, plays a big part in that. So thank you so much for coming on and having the conversation with me. Well, and Kate, thank you. And it's so lovely also to hear of your work and and to hear the dovetailing and I feel that you know let's let's keep the conversations going on both sides and how how um and how our two roles dovetail and we can continue to support people um to have more healthy and more beautiful lovemaking I hope you enjoyed this episode of the sexual wellness sessions if you'd like to join us for more conversations you can click subscribe on either apple or spotify podcasts and if you have a moment please leave us a review